Hey there, everybody, and welcome to Game of Your Life, a video game podcast about, you guessed it, video games. This week, we got live on air, Susie Frost. Susie, how's it going? Oh, not bad, thank you. Uh, I'm slightly hungover, uh, ever the professional, <laughs> you know. <laughs> what, what was going on last night? Uh, I went to see Sarah Millican in Manchester, so uh, that was obviously um, pre-cocktailed and uh, generally drunk. <laughs> <laughs> That's unbelievable. Yeah, I I was working uh, yesterday and someone told me like, oh, we got tickets to see Sarah Milliken tonight. And I was like, oh man, I wish I knew she was in town. Uh, I had nothing going on yesterday. It would have been great. I think she's on again tonight if you wanted to go. <laughs> oh, well, unfortunately I'm booked tonight, but uh, it's it's funny, the pre-drinking for a comedy show, it's always such a, a tightrope balance because I, I want to be drunk for the show, but then I don't want to be, like, tired or nodding off, you know? Yeah, I think uh, my friend, were, we went to see Daniel Sloss in Sheffield, and she made the mistake of having what we like to call a little Willy Wonsy, um, which is um, <laughs> a forbidden plant which you smoke. Uh, <laughs> and she remembers oh. none of that show at all. <laughs> I, was saying, I was saying the day after, like, oh, I remember this bit, it's really funny. She was like, what? That happened? <laughs> It's like, oh, Jesus, man. <laughs> oh, man. I saw a Doug Stanhope show, like, roughly five years ago. Maybe a bit less, four years ago. And I was right off work, and we had to take a cab from work. And so I hadn't eaten all day for some reason. It was just working and just started drinking, like, heavily as soon as the shift ended. And to, to this day, I have no memory of the show. But I had multiple people being like, man, you must have loved the show because I could hear your laugh specifically. <laughs> And I, and I even the next day I was tagged in a photo with Doug Stanhope. I met the guy, and I have like no recollection. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, it's just a lost memory. But I know it happened, so that's that's enough. At least know? there was uh, there was visual proof of that happening, even if there's no uh, yeah. internal memory. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, how are you getting around these days? Because I know you had that that leg injury. Are you all right? Yeah, yeah, fine. Like uh, I am supposed to be. It's supposed to be fully healed now, but I still resemble the ele- elephant man in in some respects on my left foot. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what what happened? Oh, uh, I just sta- it's like literally. It is. I wish I could embellish it to be a better story because it's the most <laughs> boring ass story. I was running to put money on my car because I'd seen the. It was 8.30 in the morning. I was going to work. My friend had left me like literally five minutes before because I needed to go and get a change for the car. And I was running because I could see the warden patrolling. And I just like Uh my ankle just like I must have put my foot down at the wrong angle, put all my weight on it and it snapped. So it didn't break. the worst. uh, But... As the doctor put it, it's a very impressive sprain. And I told her, <laughs> under no uncertain terms, that I am not impressed. <laughs> I am not impressed with the sprain. I just imagine the warden walking by and, like, dropping a ticket on you as you're, like, <laughs> just struggling there on the ground. It's like, you bastard. I wouldn't put it past him. I worked in debt recovery for parking for quite a long time, and they are utter assholes. <laughs> I can only imagine. It's a crazy job, because... Uh, I, I'm in, I'm right on the edge of city center in Manchester. So we have this street where people think it's like, you can get away with free parking. And so they're just constantly there. And it's like, you'll, you'll have a tense moment where the parking guards walking and then you see the guy coming back to his car and I'm like, Oh, is this going to be a fight? This is not good. Like it, ma- it makes me anxious for them. You know? Yeah. That's quite a good spec to like, 
like a modern spectator sport. Like, can the can <laughs> the driver beat the warden back to the car and drive off like yeah. GTA style? <laughs> so where where are you at? By the way, where do you live again? I, I don't really remember. I met you at a gig in the middle of nowhere, but I didn't know where you were from. I'm from Sheffield. Oh right, I think I did know that. I'm currently living in Sheffield. Yeah, I uh, had to make a trip over the Pennines and back to go go to Manchester yesterday and then come back today. Are you born and raised there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I moved ar- I've moved around quite a lot throughout my life. I lived in Manchester for a little bit um, and I've lived in York, I've lived in Italy, ugh, like all over the place. Oh, wow, Italy. Yeah. <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you do many summers in Italy? Um, yeah, I actually did two full summers working for Eurocamp uh as a, oh, wow. as a courier oh it was awesome we were like down the adriatic coast 45 minutes away from venice um and yeah and thankfully for me the um so they have like a setup team that goes around all the maintenance places uh all the campsites initially and one of the first start mm. o- stop offs is uh amsterdam <laughs> so oh beautiful it's, it's very easy to buy uh um that beloved leaf that i mentioned earlier and they <laughs> and they then bring it along for when we arrive to like do all the um the human work and yeah <laughs> sky fishing at night when you've had some northern lights is not sky fishing night fishing uh, it's, it's an interesting experience especially when you think you see well, mars in the sky that was awesome <laughs> i was gonna say if you if you've been smoking weed that you could call it sky fishing I, yeah genuinely and there is photo evidence of this so i did not i did not imagine this this was not the uh the beloved the beloved leaf talking uh we caught a baby shark <laughs> holy shit yeah <laughs> imagine what's, that what's what's the rule there is that one of those like you have to toss it back or are you just uh, eating shark that night no we we tossed them all back anyway i don't i don't think i could have uh, mutilated uh, a little a little sea creature more than needs be <laughs> i'd feel too guilty yeah I, i'm in the same way I'm, I'm happy to turn a blind eye and eat like processed meat but i don't know if i could do it myself no unless i was like playing survivor or something like that yeah yeah i'm i'm a vegan's wet dream like because they're like oh you would do it if you if you had to kill it yourself you wouldn't eat it no probably not because i'm fucking lazy <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's one of those things. Like I agree with the vegans, I just can't do it. I'm I'm weak, but the, the logic is sound. I have an iron deficiency, so there's there ain't no way that I'm giving up red meat. <laughs> the amount of spinach that you would have to eat to substitute a steak, nah, I'm not about that life. I ain't a fucking rabbit. Yes, same here for sure. <laughs> uh, getting in, getting into video games a bit. Have you always been a fan? Have you, did you grow, play them growing up, or what's your uh, involvement I... in gaming? I have always adored video games. I'd love it. Um, but um, so you might want to put some like uh, tiny violin music over this. So I <laughs> never actually owned my own console. Oh, wow. I me, I had a thing. My mum was single mum. Uh, didn't have like we weren't like destitute, but there was no extra cash for that sort of flamboyant purchase. Yeah, it is a luxury. <laughs> yeah. So um, my experience of, especially the game we're going to be talking about today uh, and most other games was through my friends. So I'd go over to like my friend's house and um, one of my very earliest memories of video games is she had GTA San Andreas. 
Uh, <laughs> and uh, we would not play any of the plot. We'd just uh, like spawn in a load of golf buggies and explode them around people. <laughs> and that, and that, was, that was literally all we did. How old are you for reference? <sighs> we're, we're going back a while. I must have been like 10, maybe? Yeah, because I was going to say like... Uh... San Andreas, I would have already been a teenager by that point. But, like, my parents still weren't letting me play <laughs> GTA. But I'm like, I can't imagine playing it at, like, 10 years old. It must have been surreal. I think I was lucky because um, my, my friend who had the console, um, I don't think... It's this weird sort of thing with parents because they're like, oh, an 18 movie. No, you can't watch that. But with a video game, they're like... Eh, the game like because i think their experience was just like fucking donkey kong and pong <laughs> they're like ah that's fine well i was talking about this on the last episode a bit like when it comes to this type of stuff it really just came down to the parents like attitudes around the yeah. technology because there was no like standard for this type of thing there was no long-term data on like the effects of video games on yeah kids. i used so. to, i used to work in um that's entertainment uh which is have you ever heard of music magpie like no, you, sounds cool. you essentially send like your old DVDs, old games, old CDs to Music Magpie, um, and they'll give you money for them. Uh, but then an offshoot of that was they could then sell them in shops, and that was that's entertainment. And I worked there throughout um, most of my third year of uni. It was one of the best jobs I've ever had. I loved it because I have this weird thing in my brain. I have this like special ability where someone can describe the front cover of a game or a um, or a film, and I'll be like, "Yeah, that's a uh, loser with <laughs> with the guy from American Pie in it." I know exactly what film it is. Um, but oh, that's that's wild. I I butted heads quite a few times with because obviously there's a legal aspect to it, so I can't sell um, like fucking Doom to a <laughs> to a ten year old <laughs> child. The um, the woman or the like the parent the the dad has to physically buy it for them and has to exchange the money so i had to be like well you can you can still buy it for them but i can't physically take the money off the kid because then i would be breaking the law <laughs> then you're just breaking the law <laughs> so that's hilarious it's almost like bartending like you gotta you gotta mind your p's and q's oh yeah yeah that that was always my dream job i worked at hmb for a bit and it was not quite what i imagined but like it's we don't have like a cex in canada and i i can tell if i was living in the uk growing up that would have been my dream job like working at cex and just exchanging games at a discount yeah seems like the perfect job yeah that's entertainment was really cool i did a i did a short stint working in game zero out of ten do not recommend (laughs) (laughs) it was awful that's a bummer uh what would you consider like your high mark of gaming like when were you gaming most what's your top system Oh gosh, when was I gaming most? Uh, so I I played all of the Batman's, the you know the Xbox Batman Arkham Arkham Asylum games. Oh yeah, I'm playing one right now. It's great. Oh, which one? Asylum. Oh, are you playing Asylum? Yeah, those were like my ones that I would just because uh, that was when I was I was with my ex and he had an Xbox, so I had like access to it when he wasn't playing FIFA. Um, <laughs> I I won't get into my rant about FIFA just yet. I I don't like <laughs> I don't like video games that are based on a thing you can do in real life. 
And yeah, needless to say, he's an ex for a reason. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was sort of my solid um, uh, access to an Xbox for a good while. So I would buy the the Batman games and then have to bribe him to go out so that I could play them. There'll be more about that later in later in <laughs> when we get talking. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, well, hey, let's not let's not delay any longer. Let's just get right into it. Oh, yeah, cool. All right, Susie Frost, this is The Game of Your Life. <laughs> Banjo-Kazooie, a platforming video game developed by Rare and published by Nintendo for the N64 June 1998. Originally designed as a Super Nintendo game called Dream, the idea was a game that could appeal to all ages. It was a huge success, selling over 2 million copies in the US alone and getting favorable comparisons to Super Mario 64. Susie, first question, do you remember the first time you heard about this game and how did you feel when you saw it? Oh, um, so I have a bit of a confession to make here. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've never, Mm -hmm. I've never played this game through to completion. Uh, Oh, wow. (laughs) So going back to my sad little backstory, um, I first heard about Banjo-Kazooie when, so my mum was dating someone and he had kids. So they were at the time Mm -hmm. my sort of stepsister and stepbrother and they had a Nintendo 64 and I was like, holy shit. Yes, we've got a Nintendo 64. Awesome. I totally want to play that. Very cool. And they had one of the save files on it was a completed um, Banjo-Kazooie file. So we had access to all of the levels, but we didn't actually have to do anything to go into. So we didn't get any of the like collecting or feelings of achievement because we could (laughs) we could essentially just fuck about and do whatever we wanted. Um, Mm -hmm. And then that relationship ended and I did not have access to a Nintendo 64 anymore, uh, which was very upsetting. Um, but then uh, my... There's never, any, there's never any visitation rights with the N64. I know, like... that needs to be a thing. Like, you know, the um, there's like the famous picture of a divorce where they're splitting up their beanie babies. I feel like the same thing needs to be done with game consoles. <laughs> yeah, like every other weekend you get the N64. <laughs> yeah. In- <laughs> and to this day it's still one of my favorite consoles is the n64 i don't know why like everyone hates the controller i loved it but maybe it's just like rose tinted glasses because it was probably my first ever um sort of access to a nintendo six like a, a, any sort of games console for that matter well for sure for me i i think the n64 is always going to be the high mark for uh platformers and adventure type games yeah uh as far as as far as like rpgs and stuff it never really hit even the mark that super nintendo set but when i mean the the mario 64 comparisons were always there just because instead of collect collecting stars you're collecting puzzle pieces yeah um but it was also different enough like it was able to make itself unique and like stand out enough and i i think rare is one of the few video game companies that's being able to make these lovable characters that like stand the test of time yeah they're i think they're doing a remake of mario 64 like they're bringing it back like with all mm -hmm. its bells and whistles which i'm very excited for yeah completely and i i just think like rare for whatever reason that that marriage with nintendo on this system like this is the fourth rare game i've talked about on this podcast and they're all just like knockouts between Goldeneye and Jet Force Gemini. Oh, yes. Banjo, 
Banjo Kazooie to me was really like uh, the peak in platforming at the time. Uh, I, I did want to get into the setup, basically storyline wise, and also the basics of the game, so we can understand it as we talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the the game opens. It's another beautiful day in Spiral Mountain, and right away, I don't know about you, I love just how the look of this game, like the look of the area and the environments and things like that. Even yeah. just how the game starts with a, a musical medley with all the characters. It's very much, like, it, you just get a sort of feeling all the way throughout this game that is very much a labour of love. Um, and when you eventually, like, get into, like, the dungeons and stuff like that, there's little bits that you notice, like, even the the wallpaper on, like, that's around as you're moving around the environment is very sort of, you know, like, original Doom-esque, where, like, I don't know if you've, like played the original Doom where you, you eventually start seeing like things in the walls, like horrible little faces and stuff. And it's the, it's the <laughs> same in Banjo-Kazooie. There's like little pumpkin faces like carved into the walls of the dungeon and stuff. It's a beautiful game. Absolutely. Well, and Rare games have never been afraid to reference other Rare games. So there's a few moments in this like, I know in one of the levels there's a picture on the wall that has a level from Conker's Bad Fur Day in it, <laughs> which I don't even think I don't even think it had been released at the time, but it was just referencing a game that's on the way. Yeah. And even in Banjo's in Banjo's house, there's a picture of him walking around a level that actually got released in Donkey Kong 64. Oh, they no just way. didn't have it complete. Yeah, they didn't have it incomplete in time for this game, so they just had it there. But I things like that are just I love the Easter eggs. Yeah, yeah. Very much fan service, lovely. There's only one house in Spiral Mountain. Uh, Banjo and Kazooie are fast asleep. And the, the scene sort of cuts to Gruntilda, who's going to be the game's antagonist. And she's about as stereotypical a witch as you can imagine from, like, Wizard of Oz, Sleeping Beauty, take your pick, you know? Yeah. Uh, and she's talking, and, and speaking of uh, witches, she's doing the Snow White thing where mirror, mirror on the wall, except she has a cauldron. Uh, and her cauldron tells her that, unfortunately, Banjo's sister Tootie is far more youthful and beautiful than she is. <laughs> so, she sets out to kidnap Tootie uh, and does so while Banjo's fast asleep. <laughs> what, did, what did you think of this opening cutscene the first time you saw it? I just, like, I mean, for a start, I'm just going to say, I'm alright for Tootie. She annoys the fuck out of me. <laughs> So when, oh, yeah. when, when they're like, oh my god, she's been taken, I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> like, I'm all up for an adventure and everything, but honestly, she can get in the bin. She, she annoys the I hell agree. out of me. Uh, in a game with no shortage of annoying characters, she stands out. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, but no, I, um, I'm very much a, a spooky bitch, anything witch and, and stuff like that. I, I loved Gruntilda from the moment she flew in on a bloody broomstick. She's <laughs> she just cracks me up. <laughs> yeah, she like strictly speaks in rhymes, uh, and her character is like purposely as disgusting as possible. Like they play up how gross she is. Yeah, uh, and it's just funny that she's like jealous of this youthful bear, so she just kidnaps her, and that's that's the setup for the rest of the game moving forward. Yeah, honestly, I relate to that fat witch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it. <laughs> so Banjo finally wakes up, walks outside, talks to his uh, close friend and confidant, Bottles, the blind mole. 
uh, and Bottles basically fills them in on what happens. And then it becomes a tutorial area where there's five Bottles molehills uh, where he'll teach you the basic moves of the game. You can either choose to skip this if you've played the game like a dozen times before or just go through it. Uh, what did you think of Bottles the first time you saw this guy? I mean, uh, Kazooie sort of sums up Bottles. Like, <laughs> he... <laughs> He just, um, I, I don't mind him, he's fine, uh, but it was just hysterical to me how Kazooie just berated him from the minute he pops out that molehill. Like, he just <laughs> gets it. He'd done nothing wrong. <laughs> and Kazooie's just like, fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah, for the rest of the game, Kazooie and Bottles will have this contentious relationship <laughs> where they just take barbs at each other. Um, and I didn't talk about Banjo-Kazooie really quick. They are very two distinctly different characters. Yeah. Uh, if you never, if you never played the game, you might think they're one entity, but Banjo is the big dumb bear who he sleeps in and talks slow, and Kazooie's sort of like the biting cynical, uh, friend who isn't afraid to shit on whoever she, she walks by. Literally with eggs, uh, complete with little fart, um... <laughs> A little fart noise <laughs> when you have to fart out an egg. I, oh, it's just beautiful. Yes. So as a main character, it's great because they're like, they can talk amongst each other. There's always like dialogue going on, but they're two totally different characters. I thought it was like a big home run right, out, right off the bat. Yeah, definitely. And you just get their relationship straight away. You're right into it and you're like, oh, right. Banjo, Big Don Bear, uh, Kazooie, fucking <laughs> tongue of a snake. Like... <laughs> Yeah. The sharpest yeah, tongue exactly. you have ever seen in a bird in your life. <laughs> so after completing the tutorial, you lead into the lair, uh, Gruntilda's lair, and, and this is going to be like the game's overworld for the rest of the game. So essentially, like uh, a lot like Mario 64, you find levels and unlock them with puzzle pieces, and then once you enter the level, it sort of acts as like an open world sort of thing on its own. But... While you're in the overworld, you're trying to unlock paths, you're trying to find out where these levels are to unlock, uh, and yeah, it's almost like separate from the levels, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, there's a little, because there's like, there's enemies walking around everywhere, and there's, uh, like you said, there's like little, you can literally interact with pretty much everything in there, which is awesome, mm -hmm. so it's, it's yeah. like games within games. Yeah, and right away, there's just a puzzle piece on top of this hill, like, as you walk in the door. And the first level, Mumbo's Mountain, only needs one puzzle piece to unlock, so it sort of hands it to you. Yeah. And e each level, when you walk into it, there's 100 music notes and 10 puzzle pieces. So the the thing with the music notes is if you die or if you leave the level, they all reset. Mm. So it's like you, you never got any. Whereas the puzzle pieces, once you get the puzzle piece, that's yours for, for life. Mm. That's complete. It is both... Um you know, like a completionist. I think this is the game that turned me into a completionist, like wanting to explore every single, uh, like little nook and cranny and stuff, uh, which, ve totally. which very much happened when I was playing Bioshock and to my advantage as well, because I found all that crap and, and Arkham Asylum <laughs> as well, like Riddler trophies, hundred percent of that shit. Love it. But this game is both a completionist wet dream and worst nightmare because there is so much shit that you can collect like totally well and that's that's a huge difference with mario 64 is like mario 64 really just makes you good enough stars to fight the final boss and then the game's over and then if you want to get all 120 it'll pat you on the back and you get to meet yoshi mm -hmm. but there really is 
there really is no reason to do it other than just for yourself. Yeah. Whereas in Ban- in Banjo Kazooie, you can beat the game with not hundred percent, and then you get this flat sort of out of nowhere ending. Mm. Yeah. So whereas the game requires you to get a hundred percent if you want to have your final battle with Gruntilda and get your like true ending. So yeah, it really is a collectathon in every sense of the word. It's like. If, if you want the true ending, you have to collect every single thing this game has to offer. And fuck your life if you have not mastered every single move that, like, that Bottles has thrown at you. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you will you will fall on your ass and fail. Like, I, in preparation for this, I watched a, a six-hour playthrough of the whole game. And the guy at the end, it, like... <laughs> It was one of those moments where you just want to grab the fr- controller in frustration and be like, no, you do it like this. Like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. Even this, like, seasoned YouTuber who just, like, swamped through all of the levels was struggling in that final battle. <laughs> yeah, uh, no kidding. So we'll go through the levels now. Uh, we'll go through them one by one and bring up any talking points that it might have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've also asked you to do your top three levels. Mm. So whenever I bring one, whenever I bring one up, if it's in your top three, just let me know right off the bat. I will do. Uh, and I've also I've also written down my top three. So yeah, uh, we'll have a go here. Uh, and the first one I'd already mentioned it was Mumbo's Mountain. Mm. Uh, this game was chocked full of stuff because it sort of had to be. It was the introduction to the game in a big way. Uh, so it had to show you a lot of what's going to be a part of the game. And the first thing I think of is the five Jinjos. Yeah. Uh, can you describe, could you describe to the listeners what a Jinjo is if they've never seen it? <laughs> it's like this. It's almost like a bird gummy bear. Like they're... <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, it's the best way I can think to describe a Jinjo. And like every, every time you collect one, they do this little like swoopy thing around you and go, Jinjo! And this is another thing that if you don't collect all those Jinjos, that final boss battle, you are fucked. <laughs> yeah, completely. Well, you don't, you won't get to the final, final one without them. But, mm. So it makes them a big part of it. Yeah. Although to be fair, it doesn't, it doesn't really explain. I think maybe the first one has like one line about why they're all lost. So like, but it doesn't really explain why they're no. separated or whatever. But uh, I mean, but as, what, as you a need comp- to collect five in every level to get a puzzle yeah. piece, so it is a part of every level. This is this is the other thing about being a completionist, because you put something in front of me and you're like, and you say, there there are five of these in this level, you bet your ass I'm finding those little bastards. <laughs> oh, completely. Completely. It's like a red rag to a bull. <laughs> You'll also meet uh, Konga the monkey. <laughs> uh, he's this gi- giant, he looks like one of those circus monkeys you'd sort of see with like wearing a fez and like a vest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you'll get three puzzle pieces off this guy. First, he has to hit these orange places. Then you have to bring this other smaller monkey one of his oranges. And this is where you learn to shoot eggs, which is one of the like the the primary skills you'll learn in the game. Yeah. Uh, we, well, what did you think of this big monkey when you first saw him? I like because this is like sort of your first introduction to it. I was just dumbfounded at the size of him like this is the first level and you're th- i was terrified because i was like you're throwing a boss this big at me like mid <laughs> not even mid because he's like he's off like the first little area on the bottom and i'm like dude like i've just started what the fuck 
Uh, but yeah, uh, and that's interesting because there is no lead up. There's no boss room. He just is on the tree when you happen to walk by that area. You can go there whenever you want. Yeah, yeah. There's there's no like order to anything uh, really. Um, there's some levels later on where there is an order to things, but this one is just like yeah, do do whatever you want. Awesome. But yeah, mm-hmm. he was, um, he was intimidating the first time you see him. He's a, yeah, totally. He's a big boy. <laughs> and, and to the right of him on a platform you'll find a witch switch they call him with uh, it's like a, yeah. a button with Gruntilda's face on it and every level in the game is going to have one of these what it does is unlocks a puzzle piece in the overworld mm. for you to find out how to get later uh, I just love that as an extra sort of like a bit more depth to this whole game yeah it connects the two it makes the um the like bits in between levels like it, it's the same sort of uh premise that I so I have a beef with like roller coasters in England or like theme parks in general, <laughs> you know, where like the queue ride is boring as fuck and you have to entertain yourselves. Whereas you go mm-hmm. to like America or um, like literally any other country with a theme park and you can do shit in the queue is interesting. You can like uh, interact with stuff. And I feel like, it's the same with Banjo-Kazooie because it's like walking to another level that it should be part of the game and it, sort of, it just brings it together as like this sort of whole piece. I love it. Totally. It makes you pay attention. There's like hidden stuff throughout. Um, but yeah, we'll get more into that as the game rolls on. Mm. Uh, the, only other, the only other big thing to bring up in this one is of course the first encounter with Mumbo-Jumbo. I- iconic Banjo-Kazooie character here. He lives in a hut that's shaped like his, his mask. Uh, and if you find enough mumbo tokens, he will transform you into a termite in this level. Oh, I, like voodoo magic. Yes, I'm here for it. I love it. Mumbo, I just love him. <laughs> Me too. Uh, and he rambles just in syllables that are loosely tied together. So it seems like he has a language, but it's just gibberish. Yeah. And the fact that he's always sleeping when you walk in and then he wake- <laughs> <laughs> you like Banjo like wakes up and he's like, Rah, what? <laughs> Yeah, he always takes himself so seriously, like he would never be caught sleeping on the job, but he is just that guy. I think uh, in the introdu- introductory song as well, there's um, there's this really nice moment where Mumbo's like doing like a solo on a keyboard, and then Banjo's like, get that out of there, and then he brings like another one in, and he's like jamming on this other instrument, and they're all like, what the fuck, like what's going on? <laughs> yeah, he, he teleports in a saxophone and then his xylophone. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Which... Which, hey, fun fact, uh, this is weird, but the xylophone was also found in uh, one of the Donkey Kong games earlier in Candy's Shack. <laughs> oh, that's They perfect. love their Easter eggs. They do. But uh, moving on to the next level, after Mumbo's Mountain, you unlock the Treasure Cove, uh, or Treasure Trove Cove, mm. I believe it's called. Right off the bat, this is my third favorite in the game. Is it? Uh, I, I really love this level, because uh, it's, it's so packed with stuff. Like, you start on the beach down at the ground... But this is the level that teaches you how to use the flight pads and also the jump pads mm. that'll be scattered throughout the game. So you start on the ground on the beach, but by the time you find the flight pads, you fly up to the very top of this lighthouse on top of a mountain. It's just this massive level, and it's chock full of stuff to do. I really like it. So this level is... I attribute my fear of deep water for this level because <laughs> that asshole shark that's in the water... That just appears out of fucking nowhere if you even like touch a toe into the sea, and he's just like, "I'm gonna chomp your ass," and you're like, "Oh god damn it!" 
Yeah, it's really tense. Like, it creates anxiety the when you go in the music, world. man. Like, the, like, Jaws music that just starts up out of nowhere. <laughs> Holy hell. Like, and he is, he is a fast little, little twat as well. Like, you have to... Yeah, you almost... You have to You know jump. you're gonna get hit once. Yeah. You have to, like, jump and fly, jump and fly, jump and fly. That is the only way to get away from him. If you, if you're swimming, nah, not happening. <laughs> Well, and the funny thing is that the blue Jinjo in this level is immediately underneath the pad that you start the level on, because <laughs> uh, the game the game like knows you're gonna see it and jump in down to get him, and that's when it introduces the shark. They knew what they were doing with that, didn't they? They hundred percent. It's real knew. clever level design. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, like you said, anxiety to the max. <laughs> you also get one of your bosses. I guess Kong, if you counted him as a boss, was the first. But this is your first boss battle. You're actually like combating him physically with the the hermit crab i forget his name nipper i think it is yeah 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 yes yeah nipper. Uh, and he's got these big googly eyes so <laughs> you have to wait for him to, to stop clawing at you and then peck him in the eyeballs yeah for a puzzle piece yeah he's awesome uh, i always i always thought that was funny and then there's also like a sad pathetic pirate who's lost all his gold oh the dude with like the burpy noise because like this is also the the thing that i love about all the characters is they all have a distinctive voice um which comes into play later on um but this guy just burps like it's just this (laughs) this like vomiting burp sort of thing all the way through his dialogue (laughs) Yeah, he's, he's like a washed-up loser pirate who's lost his gold. Lost his gold. It's, it's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you, you got to find it for him. But, yeah, that's all I had. Oh, and the only other thing is there's a sandcastle in this level where to get your puzzle piece, you have to spell Banjo-Kazooie mm. in time. But it'll become important later on as you find out there's cheat codes in the game. And if you come back to this and enter the cheat codes, it'll give you special abilities. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty cool. I, I never unlocked any of those. Like I didn't get that far because um, asshole X took the. Because um, I, I when I had access to the Xbox, uh, I realised that Banjo Kazooie was being released on uh, on the Xbox uh, something or other. Mm-hmm. So I got it, uh, and then he was an asshole, and uh, I didn't have access to an Xbox anymore, so I never got a chance to complete it. <laughs> Oh, brutal. I know. But yeah, that's Treasure treasure Trove Cove. Uh, in between, you'll meet a teleport cauldron, which are throughout the levels. If, if you find two cauldrons that are the same color, you can use them to teleport. Mm. But more more importantly, you'll find Gruntilda's good sister, Brentilda. Uh, <laughs> and this is basically completely lifted from, like, Wizard of Oz. Um, yeah, the good witch. She's the good witch who will give you all these facts about Gruntilda that will become important later on in the game. I literally have a list of quotes open on my computer right now that I'm looking at because (laughs) they just had me howling, some of them. (laughs) Give give me one right now. Uh, Ugly Grunty's nickname was Jelly Belly at Witch School. Uh, (laughs) Where was the one about... um, there was one about her being in a band oh yeah well it's so funny because they're so obscure and every time you see her she'll give you three different ones <laughs> yeah but then at the end at at the end of the game it's like those important trivia questions where they'll be like what was her nickname in high school and you're like oh fuck ah, shit yeah uh, <laughs> um well uh level three uh this is probably one of the more divisive ones because it's a swimming level and platforming and swimming you never know but clanker's cavern yeah. And Clanker, in reference to the giant garbage uh, disposal fish 
that's it. This is basically like a sewer, and Clanker is is the fish designed to shred up garbage. This. Uh, what did you think just when when you walk in and see this thing for the first time? Well. This was going to be one of my favourite levels, even though it's a swimming level and I fucking hate swimming levels. Um, but it infuriated me because in the previous level, in Treasure Trove Cove, you're like, shark's bad. Don't go in the water. The shark will get you. Mm-hmm. And you're just like swimming through and then all of a sudden it opens up and there's this big fucking mecha shark and the, f- <laughs> the first time i saw that shark i just noped out of there i was like nah do i have to fight that thing no <laughs> but then my friend my friend who i was playing it with was like oh no no he, he doesn't do anything to you but the fear still because he looks horrifying like it's hilarious there's um if you look really closely at like his um, like outer shell because you're like oh he's just a mechanical shark but there's like wounds like gaping wounds on him that are like bleeding so yeah it's really strange I couldn't tell if he was robot or fish or like a hybrid I think that's kind of like a um, sort of building up to the how fucked up Grunty is because it looks like she's taken this giant shark and covered it in metal because he's like uh, the waste disposal system. Because yeah. you got to free him from like... You have to go down and like free him from the um, the shackles at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it's fucked up, honestly. <laughs> like, it's seriously fucked up. Yeah, it's it's tough because this game, a lot or this level, a lot of it is just managing your breath bubbles. As soon as you're yeah. underwater, you see how much air you have. Mm. And... That one in particular, there's a little fish down at the bottom where Clanker's tied up who shoots air bubbles. Yeah. Uh, and he and he's really important because if he wasn't there, you wouldn't have enough time to do this. Um, so you have to, like, manage your air bubbles and then also free him. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I remember thinking he was scary looking too, but then it becomes, you have to help him out. Mm. And you go inside him and, like, start clearing out enemies and stuff like that. And you also le- learn a few moves inside him. So it's just a really weird design level. It really is. Um, and I don't know about you with like uh, swimming levels and stuff. I find myself holding my breath <laughs> along with it. Totally. <laughs> oh, I hate it. And there's those uh, like weird sort of squiggly. I can't remember what they call them. The like tentacle oh, yeah. things on the ceiling. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And, and Clanker's full of them too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't dislike the level. It just, it's weird. It's like, it's all centered around this fish. There are other puzzle pieces around the side, but it's a weird one. It's not in my top three. I'll say that much. No, it was going to be just because, like, Clanker was just so visu- visually, like, awesome to me. Love him. Mm-hmm. And the music of his level is great. As yes, well. yeah. <laughs> Um, but so moving on, this one gets an honorable mention for me, although not in the top three. Bubble Gloop Swamp. This is my top two. This is my second favorite level. Number two. Yeah, oh, I love it. It it is a good one. Uh, what do you like so much about it? Um, so <laughs> I I don't know. I I really like swamps. <laughs> so like my my D and D character that I play is a circle of spores druid, and she is from a swamp. Um, I don't know, I just love the aesthetic and there's like frogs jumping around everywhere Um, there's frogs in like, this is one of my favourite music levels as well because there's like little 
chirping frogs like in with the music <laughs> it's it's just beautiful it has the most frustrating parkour like in a level that you will you you will do um and you introduce to like the the running wellies because if you go in the actual water uh, unless you've transformed uh, unless mumbo's transformed you um it will hurt you so you have to run around kazooie has to like run around in this little in these little wellies and yeah, the music the that plays when you're in, you know, like the <laughs> da 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 and it like speeds up. That is another thing that is anxiety-inducing to me because you can hear it ticking down at the end, and if you're not where you need to be, you're in the middle of this like swamp that's gonna bite at you. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because the swamp it's it piranha infested, and the first time you touch it. A little piranha will come talk to you and be like, get out of our <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you have to do it just to get that. Like, sometimes it's one of those where it actually pays to get hurt because you get, like, little dialogue things that you, you would have otherwise missed. <laughs> but you're right. It turns the level into this whole, like, floor is lava situation mm. uh, until you meet Mumbo and then see your second <laughs> transformation of the game and become this tiny alligator with a backpack on. And can I just uh, say the cutest little alligator ever he is adorable <laughs> and his little like um because you have to have like a little attack move the little snapping noise that he makes like the chomping it's the most satisfying noise ever i love it yeah he's he's very funny and he can also only reach areas in this form too so a big part of the level's like partitioned off until you until you transform mm. uh including one of the two mini games in this level uh when you're the alligator, you go inside. The, there's this giant alligator head, and you go in through the nose. Yeah. Uh, and it become it becomes this competition with another alligator. I forget his name. Something like Vile. Well, or, uh, Mr. Vile the crocodile is actually in my top three <laughs> characters because oh wow he's an asshole. <laughs> he has this like um so th- his voice I can only describe is you know like. Oh, I got ya. Oh, yeah. oh, like like a Tory, <laughs> like a really stuck up Tory. And yeah. I just hate him so much that I love him. <laughs> well, and when he takes when he beats you, because the thing with this one is, if you're really good, you can beat him right when you first meet him. But then there's also these speed shoes in the back. He cheats. That you can either he cheats. Yeah, <laughs> you can either come back when you know how to use the speed shoes and which when you do that is really easy to beat but when you lose he's like well now i get to take a bite out of you and you're like what and then he attacks you yeah he's such an asshole and if when you have beaten him like even when you have beaten him and he's like oh like greedy what the hell um and then he he challenges you to another thing. He's like, "Oh, I'll give you I'll give you lives, like three lives, I think it is, if you beat me in this All one. Right. Um, or if not, you can slide off like a slug." And <laughs> and it's like it's the worst deal ever. So of course you're gonna be like, "Nah, mate, like not doing that." And then he's like, "Oh, Mister Vile is the baddest croc of all. Look, everyone, greedy's scurrying off." <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> "Fuck you, man! Like, no." <laughs> Yeah, that's hilarious. What a what a heel. <laughs> um, the other the other um, mini game is in this giant turtle, where to even get inside the turtle's mouth, you have to stomp his four feet. Oh, he's got his two arms and two legs out. Yeah, he's just got sore feet. Bless him. You go inside his mouth, and there's a, a turtle giving t- like class to all <laughs> these baby turtles. Yeah. 
and he basically makes them sing in order and you just it's a memory game essentially yeah um but i found it a lot easier than that fucking crocodile one. oh this, this i'm pretty i'm pretty good with memory games weirdly enough as a guy who smokes weed all day every day <laughs> i don't know because there's like because uh, they're also colored as well they're like colored and they're in specific patterned places so i find that easier to do um but it, it makes totally. me laugh that bit because you you literally have to like <laughs> you do the the like hard jump onto their backs to make them make the noise <laughs> and i was like is yeah that, you're like breaking their backs <laughs> Yeah, you just you just stomping on them essentially, these poor little guys. Uh, well, the next level, uh, you knew this wouldn't be a true platformer than an ice level, so we go to the Freeze Easy Peaks, uh, featuring one of my top three favorite characters in this, Boggy. Um, <laughs> Boggy! Oh my god! <laughs> so right away, the, you, there's a polar bear family and they're having trouble. There's three kids in the igloo next to where you enter, and all of them are crying because they don't have their Christmas gifts. There's no parent in sight until you go down the hill and find Boggy, like, incapacitated from eating too much. Uh, it's just, like, laid out. <laughs> and his voice is just one of the funniest in the game. Like, yeah. it's, it's why he's one of my favorites. He's just, like, the most incompetent father ever. <laughs> yeah, he's so funny. And later, you're on this giant ramp, and you totally forget about Boggy by this point. Mm. It's, like, way later when you're discovering the level. And you manage to find this sled and go off this ramp, not knowing where you land. And you land right on Boggy's stomach. And he spits out a puzzle piece. And that's how you get it. Like, I always just thought it was so funny. What what possessed him to it? Like, who sees a puzzle piece and is like, that looks delicious. Mm. <laughs> like, dude, no, not everything is food. Get a grip, yeah. Yeah, get a grip. Um, they there's a mumbo transformation here as well with the walrus. Uh, where does this rank so far for you in in the the three we've seen? Um, I, the walrus is cute. I love the walrus, and I love that he like the little sort of slapping noise that he makes as he's walking. What <laughs> <laughs> also the the water? If you're Banjo Kazooie, it's too cold to even swim in, yeah. so it'll hurt you. But the walrus handles that no problem. Yeah, and in this one as well, because uh, when you're the walrus, you can challenge. You can challenge him to the the little sled race thing, and you can win as the walrus, yeah. but you can't win as your as banjo because you can do it as both characters. You have to come back to this level when you learn how to use the speed shoes, otherwise you have no chance of beating him. Yeah, totally, and that's boggy. That's, racing. Yeah, boggy. But yeah. There's also another walrus who, if you're banjo kazooie, he's like, <laughs> "Don't come into my house, fuck you!" Like he doesn't trust you. <laughs> yeah. And then if you come as a walrus, he's like, oh, guests. I haven't had guests in a while. And he welcomes you into his place. But then he's also, like, um, shit-talking Banjo to the to you as Banjo the walrus. Like, oh, there's, oh, a, there's yeah. a dirty bear. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, so, yeah, there's tons there's tons to do with this level. It's also, the whole thing's got a Christmas theme. So I mentioned the, the gifts with the kids earlier. There's also this giant Christmas tree you have to help uh, light uh, and things like that. It's it's a good level top. It doesn't make my three, but I do really like it. The gut as well. Those snowmen uh, that are on the like, they need to give lessons to stormtroopers. Cause my god, I swear they fire like missile snowballs at you. They like barely I, ever hit. Like don't hit. They are the shot. I forgot shots. about them. <gasps> oh my god. They're, they're motherfuckers though because they're. Th 
if you're in their sight, they're throwing snowballs. Oh yeah. So you can ne- you can never just stop moving and stop to think or whatever because you'll just get pegged. Yeah. Um, but you learn you learn a move in this level where when you're flying, you turn into a missile mm. and just attack whatever's in front of you. That's. And you have to hit. You have to hit the target on their top hat, and it's so fucking tough to hit. Uh, yeah. I hate these things. That's one of the... Um, that was one of the things I struggled with with this level, just aiming when, you, <laughs> when you're flying around and missiling at them, because it's, it's such a small target. You, if you don't, if you don't get that bang on, like it's not happening, and then you'll probably run out of feathers halfway through as well. Yeah, completely. Um, the next level up was Gobby's Valley. Um, is this one in your three? No, it's not. Uh, <laughs> no, me neither. I did like I do like this level um, f- simply for the um, the camel <laughs> that you just can, oh. you you free him, but then you just like consistently fuck up his day from then on. Yeah, it's a really abusive relationship because you're right. Right off the bat, you help him out, so he thinks he's your buddy. But when you start this level, it's the one mirage area is right in front of you. It's this like sort of. You know, you've always seen that in the desert, the one little pond with the one palm tree or whatever. Mm. Um, and if you talk to the palm tree, he's like, I'm starving, I need water, I'm dying. Yeah, and you're like, so, whoa, yeah, we're in a desert, dude. Nothing <laughs> I- yeah, so you'll save Gobby and get a puzzle piece for that. And then from then on, when you start the level, Gobby's in front of this tree. And because he's a camel, he's got a hump full of water and you got to bash his hump. And he spits out all his water into the tree's mouth, so you save the tree. And then Gobby, like, disappears from the level until <laughs> yeah. later on. Oh, bless him. I, just, I feel so bad. <laughs> and <laughs> the other terrifying thing in this level is the, like, mummy hands that chase you around. I really... Oh, man. I really loved that about it. There was, there were some really cool enemies in this one. When there's a boss, there's a mummy hand whose whole thing is just taunts you that he has a puzzle piece <laughs> yeah. and he's too fast for you. Yeah. And then you gotta you gotta get the fast shoes we've talked about and just take it from him. Yeah. Yeah. This whole level it's weird because I like I like it in principle. It's essentially a series of pyramids and you have to find out how to get into the pyramid and then there's some sort of puzzle you do in the pyramid. But it all just seems. It seems sort of disjointed, and then there's quicksand everywhere, so it's just missing something. Yeah, I feel like it was the level that confused me the most, layout-wise. Um, like, mm-hmm. I-, I got lost quite a lot in there, and when... I would forget I would forget what pyramids I'd cleared before, yeah. and which ones I hadn't. Yes, that that was my main beef with this level. Because everything... Obviously, it's the desert. Like, everything has to look fluid and similar there's not much sort of texturizing you can do but it just makes it (laughs) like you can't discern one pyramid from the next because they essentially look all the fucking same (laughs) yeah completely the level sort of runs together unlike this next level my second favorite level in this game mad monster mansion this is my third favorite level (laughs) third favorite this game this one it's just as a level layout, it's excellent. Because mansions in the title, you start in front of this three-story mansion. But the thing is, like, this thing's got so much depth. Yeah. So there's, like, there's a cellar around the side. If you want to break this, the cellar, go into the wine cellar. It's got multiple windows you can break to sneak into the house. Uh, it's got a hedge maze around the back. Like, this one mansion, there's so much to it, you know? Yeah. I, I love this level. I Like I said earlier, I am a spooky bitch anything like sort of halloweeny and the fact that banjo turns into a tiny little pumpkin and just boings around oh 
He's just adorable. Probably the probably the the transformation of the game for me. Yeah. As far because it it's so like it, every transformation has had to do with the level you've seen so far. But this one is just so out of the box. You're just a pumpkin. You can't attack at all. No. <laughs> you, just, this was, you just have to bounce around. This was the one where I was like... Because, I mean, you can pretty much guess in every level, like, sort of what you're going to transform into, maybe. But this was the one where I was like, what the... Like, what the fuck could, could I be? Like, what's he going to do? <laughs> and then I, the joy that I felt when he turned into this tiny little pumpkin, I cannot describe... <gasps> He's just so cute. But then you have to flush so him funny. down a toilet, don't you, to get a jiggy? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I forget the toilet's name, too. It's like Largo or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Or La- Lago. Um, yeah, you'll see him as Banjo, and he's like, you're too big to go down the toilet. And then you come as a pumpkin and go... And it's disgusting. It like, is the worst toilet I've ever seen. Like, it, it, it <laughs> rivals Silent Hill toilets. It's gross. <laughs> Yeah, and there's also a well you can jump down as the pumpkin. There's special pumpkin-only areas yeah. throughout this thing. Yeah, and I, I um, love that. I love the fact that there are areas that you simply cannot access without... Because it... Like, otherwise, it wouldn't push you to um, to go to Mambo's and, and transform. It, I, I just love that there's exclusive areas. And you can jump on top of the little hedge maze as well. Mm-hmm. Just jump That's how you the... get up up on the thing. You wouldn't re- realize it unless you'd found it. Yeah, yeah. Because there's one, there's one part. There's the mansion, but there's also a church. Mm. Uh, and the the pumpkin has to jump up to the top of the roof of the church and then jump into the hedge maze to get there. So it's just really like not intuitive path. Mm. But then once you do it, it sort of all comes together. It's why I love the level design in this. Yeah, and the there's like a sentient hand as well on the. Um... Uh, on the organ and you it's like another memory game similar to the turtley one you have to follow the keynotes that he does yeah and there's that um is he called nappy the guy taking a nap the like ghoul thing taking a nap in one of the rooms (laughs) and you have to sneak up on him from above to get the to get the puzzle piece yeah another weird trivia note i learned this guy is the the same voice as banjo kazooie but they just changed the tone and the speed oh no way because because the cartridge started running out of room uh, for voices, so they just started like chain- changing the pitch on the ones they had already. <laughs> uh, the other thing about Pretty this sweet. this one, I think they I think they were introduced in uh, in Clanker's Cavern, but the the grill chompers that like um, so in Clanker's Cavern they like busted out of all the grills and stuff, but in this one they bust out of uh, like the paintings in the wall and stuff. Oh yeah, like they. I always forget about them. I always forget that they are a thing and they will jump out at you. So you'll just be wandering past and this big fucking worm comes out. And if you're not ready for it, it is the jump scare of your life. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about those. I love that they just put a different skin on an enemy they already <laughs> Yeah. essentially. Yeah. A way to reuse it. The only other thing to note, it's not even in this level, but if you leave the level as a pumpkin... Because throughout these, you, you can leave mm. as the transformation. And then if you go too far, you'll see Mumbo being like, oh, my magic doesn't go this far. It's like, you need, for instance, you need to leave Mumbo's Mountain as a termite to get the, the puzzle piece on top yeah. of the mountain. Yeah, yeah. That only a termite can crawl. And in this one, if you leave as a pumpkin, you can go far enough to go through this tiny hole that only the pumpkin can fit. Yeah. And that's where you meet Ch- Cheeto, the, the giant book. Uh, and he gives you cheat codes that I was talking about earlier. Uh... Ah. I don't think I found him. I don't really use it any anyway, because it's like, 
the the cheat code is like instead of 50 red feathers you get 100 uh, it's sort of useful but it's not super necessary you know what i mean i don't think i found him but i did leave i did leave the level as the pumpkin just because i was like i want to be a pumpkin <laughs> for a bit longer <laughs> just let, <laughs> let me have this <laughs> Uh, and from great highs, we go to low lows with my only dishonorable mention of this game. The one level I really didn't like, Rusty Bucket Bay. Yes, uh, we are uh, uh, we are 100% uh, synchronized on this one. I feel like this level would make a good Call of Duty map. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it? Well, and it's, it's got all the, all the difficulty, because every level's been getting harder and harder throughout this game. Like, the difficulty's ramped up. This one is at peak difficulty, but with none of the fun and none of the charm and none of the... No no cool transformation. It was just infuriating. <laughs> like, the bit with all the cogs where everything's turning... Ev- oh, God. No. <laughs> oh. I hated my it. My God. Yeah, I agree. Then there's not a lot to speak about for it. It's hard for the sake of it. Uh, you do save a dolphin for... <laughs> I love the dumbest... The dumbest dolphin in the world got trapped underneath an anchor like, from the ship. They're supposed to be intelligent, man. Like, come on. This idiot. Yeah. But outside of that, there's really nothing, like, memorable about this level. I just, I really didn't enjoy playing through it again. Yeah, it was, um, especially because, like, when you're in the water, because it's so murky and stuff, like, even just swimming in it, you'll lose air. Um, oh yeah, your health goes it goes down twice as fast. Yeah, that just annoyed the fuck out of me because I don't like swimming anyway. And then you're telling me to jump in this gross, like horrible oil slicked sea to save this dumbass dolphin. Nah, I'm all right for it. <laughs> yeah, totally. But yeah, ex- right, well, excellent move. Call of Duty map though. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Let's get that movement in order. Yeah. Um, the next level though, and. Honestly, best for last. This is my favorite of the game. I think it's a masterpiece. Click Clock Wood. Oh, my number one level. It is. You too, huh? Yeah. It's so good. Just, I mean, it's the same. It's one level, technically, it's Click Clock Wood, but you play in spring, you play in summer, you play in autumn, you play in winter. So it's essentially the same level, but things change throughout. Oh, it is. Yeah. It's a perfect, perfect level in a video game for me Uh, it's not only that but it's it uses like how this game works like i brought up the the music notes for instance where if you die or leave it starts over so it creates this sort of gauntlet where if you want to get all 100 music notes you need to be able to go through all four of these levels Mm. because it is technically four levels in one uh and and just do that all without dying and a bunch of that is just ascending to the top of this massive tree uh, whereas if you fall, you can just die in one. Like, it's a really challenging level. And it's just like, it's almost like showing off at this point. Like, the amount of cool shit they've been able to put into this game. Yeah, I especially loved um, Aerie, the, the like, little eagle chick. So you, <laughs> yeah. you meet him in his, like, little little egg. This little egg that you have to jump on to get, like, hatch him. And then in spring. And then you have to feed him worms and stuff. You collect the little worms in the level to feed to him. Uh, and then he grows, like, you have to do it in every level until by the time it's winter, he's just this giant-ass fucking eagle. <laughs> yeah, and he gives you a puzzle piece. Oh. Uh, um, there's a similar one where there's, in spring, there's a beaver, and there's a rock covering his house. Naughty. But it's underwater, so you can't do anything. Yeah, naughty the beaver. <laughs> and then in summer, when the water's all cleared up, you can go down there and smash the rock. And then in, but you can't go up into his house. 
And then finally you have to wait till autumn where you can actually swim and go back up there and get your prize. Yeah. So it really feels like you're investing into these seasons. Like, you're only doing, like, a bit of the challenge to get the puzzle piece and then coming back later and completing it. And it just, it, it makes you invested in yeah. it. Yeah. And the, because uh, um, all the enemies sort of are different as well. Because uh, there's, like, the um, snappy little almost Venus flytrap looking things. And they're, oh, yeah. they're a consistent problem throughout, like, spring, summer, and autumn. But then you go in winter, and they're all fucking dead. And you're like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you guys. Yeah, I love that. Same with the bumblebees, because in spring, this is your final mumbo transformation, and you can only do it in spring. He turns you into a, this fat little bumblebee, which, which I love, because, like, you will see bumblebees in this game, and they look nothing like your transformation. Yeah. Sort of like the alligator. You're, you're this, like, tiny one. You've always got the backpack. Uh, so you'll go befriend the bees. And then later you have to come back as Banjo-Kazooie and fight the bees. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just love the progression there. Yeah. This was the only Mambo transformation that I didn't like, though. Like, I just thought it was ugly as hell. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love the concept, but that little bumblebee is hideous. <laughs> yeah, it's like a butterball. Yeah. And... And then there's also one is another one where you go through the seasons where in spring you plant the flower, in summer you water the flower, uh, <laughs> and water watering the flower you see Gobby in <laughs> Gobby's Valley earlier. The the camel has somehow managed to map, find his way to Click Clock Wood and just happens to be chilling near the flower you need watered. Uh, w- so you you stomp him again, and he like leaves super pissed. And he's like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to the lava world. You'll never see me there. <laughs> That's That yeah. cracked me up because I was like, oh, this poor bastard, like, obviously did it. And then when he was like, now nah, fuck this, I'm going to the lava world. I was like, this poor guy. <laughs> he's found, like, this gorgeous oasis and we've fucked him off again <laughs> to the lava world. This is his last resort. And you, you know the lava world, he's referencing Banjo-Tooie, right? You, you see Gobby in Banjo-Tooie in the Lava World. No, so. I have not played Banjo-Tooie. Oh, man, you're missing out because it might even be better than this one. Uh, and yeah, there is. He was referencing. I mean, it was in development, I imagine. It only came out two years after. But he was referencing the Lava World that is in Banjo-Tooie where you do find him. Ah, I just thought he was referencing like the because um, you're in a lava type thing at the at the end. Oh, right. With the memory, yeah. the memory game. No, it's a very cool. It's half the world's lava and half of its ice, oh. but it's like the same sort of sort of like a click clock wood type scenario. Uh, yeah, you got to play Banjo Tooie. Right. It's fucking great. That's my homework. Um, I will play Banjo Tooie. <laughs> and, and the only other thing here is that I had written is if you've been hundred percenting the levels up to this point, you don't have to play click clock wood. Like you, you don't need the ten puzzle pieces or the hundred notes to get to the final level. So if you're not a completionist, this level can go totally over your head and you can just not play it. Like, a, a pox upon those people who skip this level because it is beautiful. It, like, it is my favourite level in any video game I've ever played. I will I will put wow. that out there. It is, it's just a masterpiece. The way that everything yeah. flows into the next one and things that you do in previous ones will reflect what happens in the other ones. We didn't even talk about the music, too, which is so good. It's my favorite track in the whole game. Yeah, it's beautiful. And it changes with all the different seasons as well. Yeah, Oh, (laughs) it's crazy. I love it. They just went for it. The bloody snowmen are back, though, in the winter one. (laughs) 
which is mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't sort those out like at the start of the level when you're trying to like ascend that tree mm. <laughs> it's a game ruiner yeah it is a game ruiner the number of times i have fallen from that tree to my death <laughs> and it, it, it's still even though it is probably one of the most frustrating bits of like uh, platforming is it still has a place in my heart just because it's so beautifully done Hell yeah. No, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, and after that, that is the nine levels of this game. Uh, you complete that, and then you go to Grunty's Furnace Fun. <laughs> um, I I had no idea what to expect from this. I was expecting a, cla- a classic sort of just boss battle to finish this game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it, instead, what you get is, like, Grunty is hosting this game show type thing behind a podium. Uh, it's a massive, like, game board that you have to cross question by question and it's essentially like a trivia skill testing sort of game uh what did you think when you saw this thing i just i was the same as you like i just thought it was going to be a generic boss battle and honestly this was better (laughs) totally this was better than anything i could have wanted um because Everything is, it all made sense, like, why everything was so distinctive, why Brentilda was telling you all these horrible secrets about it, but also, like, you get to <laughs> go back, um, and, because there's, like, time challenges. Now, I, I hate a time challenge. Uh, they set off my anxiety no end, but um, it's Banjo-Kazooie. It's so fun that I didn't mind going back and doing levels again. But, yeah, it was, it's essentially, like, um, like, Oh, I think it's called different in different places. You know, frustration, or I think it's called risk in different countries. Mm-hmm. It's it's essentially like that going around a board. Totally, yeah, and it's it's fun because a lot of them they're just basic trivia questions, and if you're paying attention, you should be able to get them. Like they'd be like, "What was Mumbo doing in the summertime in Click Clockwood, for instance?" Uh, and if you went there, you would know. I can't remember, actually. I think he might not have been there. Or no, he was just sweating. He was sweating. In the winter, he's not there. He was sweating in a little... Because um, that's the other thing. If you go visit Bombo, he's, like, doing different things. I think in spring, he's sweeping. <laughs> he's, like, doing a spring clean. No, that's all. That's was all. that autumn? Up all oh, the, the leaves. leaves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then in summer, he's just sweating balls <laughs> with a little cocktail. <laughs> and I, I like the challenges, though, because I, I did find... Uh, a slight critique on this game. It's almost too easy in some areas. Mm. <laughs> like, where it's like, like spelling banjo kazooie. I don't even know if it times you. For it's, it, it's dead easy. Yeah, and it's and it's lit, written on the wall as well. Like, not only do you have yeah. to spell out the name of the game, it's also written on the wall if you're dyslexic. <laughs> yeah, and and in this challenge mode though, it gives you a timer mm. and you have to spell it backwards. <laughs> And it's like, okay, you got 45 seconds, spell Banjo-Kazooie backwards. And then you're actually like, oh, fuck, I don't know if I could do this. <laughs> yeah. it, that challenge makes me way more invested. I just liked it more, you know? Yeah, and the um, it, it got me the ones where they would play a voice of, of a character as well. And, oh, the, yeah. and it's like, who made this stupid noise? And it's like, I don't know, there's so many stupid noises, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. Um and there is strategy to it, too, because there's bonus questions you can answer that allow you to skip a square. Mm. So if you do find those skill testers just a bit too hard, uh, you do have the option to sort of go around them. Yeah. And then, yeah, past that, uh, the only other shitty one is the one death squares. Because I, I honestly, I was playing this after a comedy show. I was sort of drunk. And I was like, oh, this will be easy. I'll 
finished my night beating this trivia shit. And by like the sixth run through, I, I died on these squares where it's if you answer it incorrect once, it's just an auto death. Oh god! And I was like, "Fuck this! I'm going to bed. I'll be <laughs> tomorrow when I'm when I'm sober." <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it. It really made me laugh. Like when you fuck, because she just fucks off when you if you complete it and get to the thing. She just fucked off, and I was like, "Oh, okay, bye." Like Gruntilda. Yeah. And then they're on like two E's on the podium with these two other horrible looking stuffies. <laughs> when they go up to it, it's like, um, oh, which which prize should we take? And Kazooie's like, oh, we'll take that ugly looking doll over there. <laughs> and Badger's <laughs> like, should we not take Tootie? And she was like, oh, yeah, okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And and that's what I was saying earlier, where is if you don't get the um, the 100%, uh, what you call it, yeah, the every level 100% mm. at this point, this is where the game ends. Yeah. Like, that is, that is it. And it's sort of disappointing. It's just a flat ending. Yeah. Um, but but if you do 100% it, basically you're like, okay, you wait here, Tootie. Uh, I got to go up there. And you get this final room with all these final note doors that's like, if you open them, there's a giant egg and it fills up your eggs or a giant gold feather. It fills up your gold feather. Yeah. And then you go to, you fight Gruntilda on top of her lair at the very top of the castle. Mm. And and this is sort of the classic boss battle I thought we were going to get yeah. when we first came here, you know? Yeah, definitely. So it, it sort of fulfilled both wishes for me because I, I do like the classic boss battle, but as well, it literally utilizes... Because a lot of the times with um, boss battles in games, you have one skill that you're like, oh, I can do this particularly well, mash that, mm-hmm. and, and that's fine, that'll work. There's, like, multiple ways to do it. But this... Like you have to utilize every single move that that they have thrown at you, otherwise you you will not win. <laughs> like yeah, there's yeah, there's like co- infinite feathers and stuff like that, which is cool. Like you you're stocked up already, but it will give you like infinite golden feathers, infinite red feathers, and and eggs and stuff. Um, but yeah, you have to use all of them and be shit hot when you're the most frustrating one. Again, was the missile. Because she's flying around, you're flying around as well. And if you don't hit her, like, directly when she's stopped, you just fly off, like, off the side of the castle and you're like, shit, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, it's brutal. Um, And then once you get past that point, these four Jinjo statues appear. (laughs) And you you basically go to them and activate them. And then the Jinjos, like, attack her and sort of help help you win the whole battle. So the Jinjos... Even though I sort of misplayed them off the top, they are an important like factor in this whole universe, you know. I like you said, like they were never introduced as like an important thing. It it was just like good that I was a completionist because it's like you need to find these things, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm I'm gonna find these things. I I ain't even questioning it. And then at the end, it was like, oh, thank fuck, <laughs> like, yeah, fuck I did completely. that. Yeah, and the battle ends with Gruntilda falling off of the top of the castle. <laughs> uh, she hits the ground, makes this giant crater, and then this rock falls behind her and crushes her after. So I, I wonder if this was meant to be another just final nod to the Wizard of Oz, because I oh, yeah. do think they took a bit of that. And her ending up like crushed underneath a rock is sort of fitting for the whole thing they've been going for. And his like her like little assistant dude uh, trying to get the <laughs> trying to get the rock off yeah. her. Klungo, I think his name Klungo, is. Klungo, yeah. Swears revenge. <laughs> and yeah, the the game ends with 
Banjo-Kazooie bottles are all on a beach. Uh, they got sunglasses on. They're eating fruit. Uh, talking about how great things were. Uh, this random lady in a bikini walks by, which is weird. She's... Do you remember this? Yeah, like, I remember thinking, like, how did they she's... get this to look so good and Lara Croft look like garbage? <laughs> <laughs> and she's, like, the she's the only human in this entire game. It's so and random. And she's, like... A random lady holding a platter of fruit. And she doesn't give fruit to anyone. She just leaves. She it's just, just so strange. She just wanders past. Like, bitch, where have you been? Like, what the hell? <laughs> and then the game goes to... Uh, Rare loves doing this. It's a classic credit screen with all the characters from the game. Not the staff that created the game, but like... Like Mumbo Jumbo, Gruntilda. <laughs> like, yeah. It, very, very strange. It's a very long, um, I did watch all of the credits and I noticed that each person who was like associated with it, they all had little nicknames and each nickname was uh, either a character or a, um, or a, a monster that you fight in the game. Yeah, it's a nice little nod. And it, and it mentions who's who. Yeah, it's, it's really nice. I, I really like that. And, and then coming back from it, there's one more final scene of Mumbo Jumbo. This is so weird. Um, he's showing you photos of footage from Banjo-Tooie. Yeah. And and they're literally saying, like, I can't believe we're going to be in another game. Ooh, I can't wait. So I guess it had already got the red light and they knew they were going ahead with it. Yeah. Or the green light, sorry. And I'm, I'm shocked that I, I never played Banjo-Tooie because, I, I mean, part of me, I, I mean, part of the reason be- was because I didn't have access to any sort of games console anymore. Um, and it's just, <laughs> it's just never something that I felt I wanted to play because Banjo Kazooie holds such like uh like in I hold it in such high regard that I'm I'm always like is it gonna ruin it for me? You'd be shocked if I told you that it. I think it's better. It's oh, so good. That is a bold statement. <laughs> and it's not a spoiler because it happens in the first scene. But Bottles is brutally murdered in the opening of the game. Oh so dear God! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If, if you ever needed some incentive to go get it, maybe you let that be it. I'm going to let that be it. <laughs> At the end of the game here, I did ask you for your three top characters. I think we both already let one slip. So let's go through our top three, though. I'm curious. Okay. Do you want to go first or shall I? Uh, well, you start with your third, then I'll do mine and vice versa. Uh, my third, I have already mentioned, is Mr. Vile the Crocodile. Because he is just <laughs> such an insufferable twat that you can't help but love him. <laughs> And the name that rhymes, too. Yeah. Um, you gotta love that. And it, it's also interesting that he lives in a giant crocodile that's just dead. <laughs> like, did he kill him? Is that his mom? <laughs> like, I have so many questions. Yeah, that is strange. I also named my third already Boggy, the <laughs> absentee father. Uh, yeah, it's something you gotta like about this guy. Yeah. Uh, what? What's your number two? Uh, number two is Gruntilda. Oh, man, we have the same number two. Yeah, like, she's got a grudge and I get it. (laughs) Yeah, it's just the speaking in rhymes, the constant shit talk. Because if you're not in the level, like, if you're just walking around in the overworld, about every five to ten minutes, Gruntilda's head will pop up and she'll just shit talk you. And be like, why are you even still trying? Yeah, (laughs) and also the dialogue that makes Dr. Zeus look like a bitch. Like, the rhyming... (laughs) (laughs) The rhyming of every line of dialogue is just beautiful. I love it. Yeah, it's hilarious. Um, and rounding it out, I, I, we might have the same number one here, but I'm very curious to hear yours. Okay, should we say it after three? 
All right. One, One two, two, three. Kazooie. Mumbo Jumbo. Ah! <laughs> oh, you go with Kazooie? I love Kazooie. Kazooie is just... I I don't know. I, I like characters with sass. <laughs> she is ultimate mm. sass. I think that's where I get my sarcasm from. Uh, <laughs> I think Kazooie is solely responsible. But no, Mumbo, uh, I, he's just a dumb idiot. I love him. <laughs> well, it's, it's so many... With Mumbo, it's... For one, the gimmick of transforming in this game is fucking yes. great. It's a welcome addition. Uh, the fact that he lives in a, a hut shaped like his head... <laughs> Uh, the fact that he, the fact that he is like a crack, sort of like, almost comes off like a con artist. Like if he wasn't transforming you successfully, you'd be like, what the fuck? I, I never mentioned that about one out of every ten transformations or so, he he'll fuck it up and turn you into like a washing machine, <laughs> and then he'll, and then he'll be like, oh whoops, wrong spell, and have to change you back. Yeah. The details like that just make him such a funny Yeah, the fact that he... Because he is this, like, witch doctor almost who can do all this awesome stuff, but he is essentially a bit of a bumbling idiot and will get it wrong. He <laughs> yeah. is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I've been saying he would make a great Smash Bros. character forever. <gasps> I know they just put Banjo and Kazooie in there, so maybe the future is bright for a oh, Mumbo, Mumbo cameo. Oh, <laughs> Mr. Vile. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's the three characters. Um, as we get close to the end here, I always talk about the, the graphics and the music from all these mm. games. We covered a lot of the the soundtrack, but uh, I mean, what a masterpiece. Rare never fails with their soundtracks. Uh, they give it 110%. Every single level getting their own soundtrack. But not only that, like, the themes are all different when you're underwater. It's different if you're in, like, a cave. Like, they've added multi yeah. to all of it. It's so And when you're, when you're walking around in between levels as well, um, it's a, a play on the, if you go down in the woods, you know, like the Teddy Bear's Picnic song. <laughs> you know, there's a trivia note. The guy um, was asked if he did that on purpose. And he was like, no, it was never a conscious thought, but I can't ignore the similarity. I must have had it in my head. Uh, bullshit. Like... <laughs> absolute bullshit there's no way that, <laughs> that that's not teddy bear's picnic yeah it's completely taken from it and it's great but it's it's not even just the music that's great it's you mentioned the voices mm. they're so memorable and so funny yeah. like rare rare's always gone for the humor in their games and and banjo kazooie i really feel it's like the perfect level of it's not too breaking the fourth wall or too out there it's just like really genuinely humorous. yeah uh, I did uh, on a number of occasions belly laugh at a lot of the dialogue, Espe especially Brent Elder. <laughs> like <laughs> she, the amount of shit that she just talks is insane about her sister. <laughs> yeah, but the fact that that also Absolutely. rolls into the end game as well, because when you're first playing through it, it's like oh, like a lot of people just bypass her almost or don't uh don't think to go through all the dialogue uh, like imagine being that person when you get to the end and there's all these things like oh what did she say about this and you're like <laughs> shit <laughs> am i gonna have to go through the whole fucking thing and find brent Hilda? <laughs> i i think that's so important because it would get tedious or it would just feel like uh useless if there wasn't a use for it but they thought ahead for that and they put yeah. that in there so i I thought it was brilliant. Uh, and I think I said it a bit off the top, but it's one of the few franchises that has memorable characters that isn't just like Mario or Kirby or yeah. whatever. Like Banjo-Kazooie Banjo is a really lovable, long-lasting character that if you could put out a game 
tomorrow and I think people would just die. Yeah, right I get really excited when people know what Banjo-Kazooie is because I've I've mentioned it to quite a few people when, like talking about video games and stuff and they're like, what? <laughs> a, a, yeah. a, a bear and a bit what? And I'm like, honestly, like on paper, I sound like a mad person when I tell you that <laughs> it is the best video game you will ever play in your life. <laughs> Well, we're already sort of doing it, but as we wind things down, uh, I always call it the legacy factor. Why do you think this game's uh, lasted the test of time in your mind? Because I'm assuming it's one of your, if not your favorite N64 mm. game. Um, yeah, what makes it stand out still to this It's day? just, I mean, it's just fun. Like, if a video game's not fun, you ain't going to play it again. And it is just fun and there's there's all sorts of little like explorey little holes that y- you might not necessarily have known uh on the first playthrough and it's just for that like the characters you just fall in love with them and the humor in it as well we've spoken a lot about the humor but it does genuinely it's like watching your favorite movie over and over again like i've watched i must have watched clerks too about 100 times now and it still makes me barely laugh every single time and it's the same with banjo kazooie like it will still make me laugh every single time you jump on that poor fucking camel's back (laughs) (laughs) well and i I think it's because i i don't know if maybe the humor masks the quality a bit or you don't expect such a high quality Mm. game when it's you know being presented in this way but i really do think it's a test of these a testament to how good these games are like when nuts and bolts was released on the xbox by a different team the fan base rejected it because it was dog shit it wasn't loyal to yeah. what the original was I- it's like you don't just get to give us the characters in a, in a new title and we're gonna buy it it's got to be that same level of quality definitely definitely they they missed a trick with that like you need you need to be true to the original the original uh like makeup of it if you if you will yeah Totally. Um, and it's just a shame that Microsoft owns it now because if it is just a property that Nintendo, I feel, could knock out of the park. Did you ever play uh, Yuki Laylee? Ukulele? No. I think it's called. It, it was a spiritual successor with a bunch of the same uh, staff. And it's essentially a lizard and a bat on his back. But it's like it's like a Banjo-Kazooie game, essentially. Whoa. Yeah, I think you'd love it. And it just shows, like, even the people who made it, like, they wanted to make more of this because they felt there was more in the chamber. Mm. So I do think there is room for, like, a third iteration of this game. It's definitely a... Um, it, it's a formula that works. And you you find this when you do bring up Banjo-Kazooie and someone does recognize the game and you, and they're like, holy shit, yeah, I love that game. I've never met anyone that's been like, ah, oh, yeah, it was all right. Everyone has such a <laughs> love for this game. Um, like, yeah. you'll literally sit there like, we are now discussing it for hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, that's a great place to put a pin in it. Uh, I want to thank you for doing the podcast. Uh, is, is there anything you want to plug before we get out of here? I am. Let me have a little look at my calendar. Yeah. Uh, obviously on this podcast, which is awesome, and uh, we'll go back and listen to all of the previous ones. Uh, me, Johnny Brook, and Graham Rayner are taking our Smuggers Board gig to Morecambe Fringe Festival on the 16th of July. Oh, yeah. That should be fun. And I am helping my lovely friend Jess... Uh, on her warm-up gig for her fringe, Edinburgh fringe, 
uh, festival run. She's doing a warm-up gig in Wakefield at the Red Shed on the 21st of July. And I'm going to be a support act for her on that. Beautiful. Well, um, go check those out if you're in the area, guys. And talk some Banjo-Kazooie with Susie Oh, defo. <laughs> as for me, I am Jordan Ducharme. As always, at FunnyJordanD on Instagram. And I made a Facebook page this week, Game Your Life Podcast. Go follow it. Tell your friends. Share it around. We want to get the word out. And thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.